And Wednesday, we're going to look at how to identify the storms that we are in, how to identify the storms that we are in, and together, how we can uh, work this thing out for the glory and for the goodness of God. So here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, um, the Apostle Paul is saying that we should no longer be children, no longer be children. Understand there are certain things you should be childlike in, and that is when it comes to faith. If you tell a child you're about to do something, they just believe it. They don't question it. They just believe it. They see you as the person of authority. And if you say something, they believe it. You should have faith like a child. Jesus also said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So we have to have childlike faith, childlike belief. But what we shouldn't be childlike in is when it comes to maturity. And so he's saying that we need to grow up and get off the baby bottle and eat the meat of God's word. And so he's looking for a church that's not necessarily big. He's looking for a church that is healthy. And there's a big difference between being a mega church and being a healthy church. And so God wants us to be a healthy church. And also, if he chooses to bless it, it becomes a mega church. And as the pastor here, and I believe the many pastors in this city and the many pastors in the state of Ohio, it is our desire to make sure that we are teaching the word of God without compromise. That we teach the word of God as people are losing faith in all sorts of institutions. We then have the church has to bring what I call an authentic faith, a message that doesn't compromise, but yet is compassionate. You see why you need the Holy Spirit? You can't be compassionate and not compromise if you don't let the Holy Spirit lead you. That's a good word right there. That's a good word right there. And see, and that's how you're authentic because you understand there needs to be this compassion. The Bible said Jesus was moved by compassion, but yet never compromised. People were attracted to him, attracted to him. So the apostle Paul is telling this church, we want you to be healthy. I know that storms are going to be coming. I know that you're in a culture of which it is no longer popular to preach the gospel message. I understand that. And storms are going to become, but he says, I don't want you to be like child, be immature. That when the storms comes and it tries to beat on the church, we then become disunified and confused. Can someone say amen to that? So when the culture which is bam, the culture is just And here it is that we bring a kingdom message now that is to push against the culture, right? Where Christ can be exalted because the reality is he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It is not that we're saying we're better than anybody else. We're simply saying that's the reality of the word of God, that he is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. There's no other way. Jesus said it. Jesus, who wasn't just some some philosopher, he wasn't just someone like Gandhi, he's not just like a prophet, Muhammad, this is Jesus, the son of the living God, 100% man, 100% God, someone say yes Lord. And that's who you serve today. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you ought to clap your hands for the God who became flesh and dwelt among us. That's a good place right there to take a praise break. He's 100% man. He can identify with my struggles, but yet he's 100% God who gives him the power to overcome my struggles. Someone say sanctification at work. 
<laughs> That's what that really is. Because he's 100% man, 100% God, Jesus can understand my struggle, but he understands he's given me the power by his grace to walk away from that struggle. It's called sanctification. That's the word that we use. It's called separation. That I'm no longer identified with this sin. And so what happens is now this church in Ephesus, Paul had to be teaching them how to be mature, how to be strong. And in these last days of which we live in and what I would call a perfect storm of everything coming at the church. This is the time for us now not to shrink. This is not the time for us now to quit. This is not the time for us now to give in. This is the time for us to stand firm and to know that we won't be tossed to and fro and we won't be carried away by every wind, by every wind, by every wind of doctrine, of teaching that's out there that's causing the church to want to compromise, to be relevant. To be relevant, they're saying you then may have to have to dumb it down a little bit to make it uh, 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 appealing and, and to make it uh, have an appetite. But I'm sorry, Jesus, the one we just praised a second ago. Jesus, the son of God, who I said wasn't a philosopher. Jesus was the one that said, unless you eat of my body, come on, and drink my blood, you can't have anything to do with me. And they thought, what are you talking? Are you teaching cannibalism? He says, no, you have to understand by revelation that I am the bread of life. Ah, that what Moses fed you was just temporary. It just sustained you for that season. How many want a word that was sustained you for more than just one season? Come on. <laughs> Come on, because the storm begins in June, I'm told, until the month of November. That's the storm season where we're all looking out and we're trying to see how we're going to handle the weather, the things that are happening outside of our shores. How can we prepare in this season, especially if you live in a location where storms are normal? way of living and so here he's saying that if you want to sustain if you want to be sustained you got to eat of my word and you got to drink of my blood what he's talking about was this covenant relationship do you know that you're in a covenant with jesus you're in a covenant with jesus christ the son of the living god you're in a covenant he says as long as you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood i promise you you'll be a healthy church and you will be a mature church. And so we have to take a look at this because I mentioned to you that storms are going to happen. Storms are going to happen in our lives. It's not when it's, it's so it's not if a storm, it's when a storm hits you. So I have a responsibility. And as he goes early in the chapter, he says, I've given you apostles and I've given you prophets and I've given you evangelists and I've given you pastors and I've given you teachers. Why? To equip you. To, to, to equip you. Why? So when the storms come, you can be equipped. Someone say, equip me. Equip me. Equip me. And, and so the, 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 the image of it is when the fishermen or the, uh, the, the disciples, uh, after they had, were, were fishing and they took their nets and the Bible says they were mending their nets. They were equipping their nets for the next catch. They weren't just sitting idly by. They were, they were getting themselves equipped for the next time they're going to go out to get this harvest. And so God wants to equip you and I with faith so we can go out there and with our network, come on, we can bring in the fish to harvest. 
and get them baptized in the name of Jesus so they can come to know that Jesus Christ can deliver you from depression, that Jesus Christ can set you free, that Jesus Christ is the answer. How many have ever experienced the answer? Come on, have you experienced Jesus Christ, that he's the answer for your troubles, your answers for your situation, that the storm that you're going through, the same person who was going through those same storms couldn't stand the pressure and the wind, but here you are standing. Here you are standing strong. Come on. You had to take this and you went to the right and to the left, but you're still standing strong because you didn't compromise. You held fast to the word of God. And that's what he wants us to do this morning and for the rest of our lives. And so, so what is a storm then? What is a storm? A storm can be defined as this, the definition of a storm. It's simple. It's a violent disruption of the atmosphere. So where it is now that things are normal, quote and unquote, that a storm is a violent disruption. Or disturbance in the atmosphere. So in other words, it's telling me then that as a believer, how we communicate is not from earth to heaven. Because I taught earlier that we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. So how we communicate then is from a heavenly perspective. So we are above the clouds. Come on. We are above the atmosphere. We, we sit in a dimension with Christ who we just celebrated a minute ago, or perhaps we need to celebrate him again. Come on. Take 10 seconds out and celebrate Jesus Christ, who is 100% God, 100% man. The same one who can understand our struggles, but separates us from the struggle because he's given us the power to walk. We call that sanctification. That Jesus. Is who we're seated with in the heavenly places. So when it comes to making decisions, we don't make decisions based on the systems down here on earth. Don't lower yourself to compromise who you are. Good God Almighty. Don't compromise to seek wisdom from the earth. He says, no, that's devilish. You want to seek wisdom from above. And so because we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus spiritually, we will one day when the trumpet sounds like you heard today, come on, when the trumpet sounds, the word rapture means to be caught up and we will be with the Lord forever and forever and forever and forever and forever because we will never be destroyed. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against the church. We will never be destroyed. Come on, somebody. We may be discouraged, but we will not be destroyed. So from now on, mature believers, we live from a different perspective. So in other words, then, when a violent disruption takes place, it is you and I, then, as the church, seated in heavenly places that gives communication to the world how to survive the storm. That's why we're being equipped to know how to tell people you don't have to compromise. Ah, this word is so good. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to lay down. Come on, somebody. You can hold on to your values. They may call it old fashioned. I call it the old covenant. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. You may call it old school. No, no, baby. I call it the word of God. And it still works today as it did 2,000 years ago 
4,000 years ago. It still works the day when God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so normally, normally what happens is, is that this, this disturbance in the atmosphere is, is a wind. And what makes it the storm is the elements that goes with that wind. So normally it just means a strong wind is what a storm means. But when snow or rain or different elements connect with the wind, we then define it as a winter storm or a rainstorm or a hurricane or or tornado. So we give it its name because this wind now has pulled elements with it. I'm teaching this thing. Come on. It's, it's, it's pulled lies with it. Come on. It pulls seductions with it. It, it. it pulls all kinds of unclean things. And so now when this violent disturbance in the atmosphere enters your house, it brings in all the lies. Come on. It brings in all the unclean things. It brings in all these things together with it. A violent, not just some simple cool breeze you fall asleep with. I'm talking about a violent. So the church we, the Bible says, the kingdom of God suffered violent, but the violent take it by force. This is not some cute game the enemy's playing with us, patting us on the head like a good dog. Come on, somebody. The enemy is out to destroy us. He's out to kill us. He's out to take us out. He wants to mess us up. He wants to destroy our marriages. He wants to destroy our families. He wants to put them and just, and just put all sorts of, all sorts of lies just so we believe the lie and empower the liar. Your mind really is the battlefield, according to George Myers, but according to the word of God. The battlefield is your mind. And so the storms that come may not be a natural storm. It may be a storm that's been brought in your mind. Even right now, as you're trying to focus, the enemy is whispering and saying, oh, my God, how long is he going to take? <laughs> Good God Almighty. So here it is now. Here it is. Here it is. So the destructions that is caused by a storm, let's begin first in the natural. Many of you know that, that this coming, or if you don't know, this coming October will be the fifth year since Superstorm Sandy pummeled the East Coast with damage and storm surges, high winds, and high, heavy snow. Sandy's destruction is the second costly Storm in American history next to Hurricane Katrina. $65 billion was the result of the storm that hit New York and New Jersey and, and pummeled the Caribbeans. The damage is called by this violent disturbance or disruption in the atmosphere that brought with it the winds and brought with it the winds that came and caused damage. And so here it is now that it, the cost of the storm was $65 billion. I didn't say million, $65 billion, AJ, was the result of Superstorm Sandy that we named. So we won't forget about the damage. And so what happens to us spiritually is when a storm comes in, it does three things. Ready? The purpose or when the storm comes in, it first wants to bring a shake into you. It wants to shake you. And one of the Greek words for storm means a shaking or the word we use is tempest in the King James translation. It means it means to shake. 
it means to rattle. It means to shake. It's, it's, and so sometimes when we first tell people, Hey, it's not a category one yet. It's just strong winds. There's a shaking taking place in your house. It's come to shake the things you put on the wall. Come on. It's come to shake the very foundation. Someone say shake. A storm comes to shake you. It moves things all around. And when a storm hits you, then it can also what I call a setback. A setback. Those whose homes were built down on the shore. And when the storm, Superstorm Sandy hit it, there's now a setback. There is a damage. There's a destruction that's taking place. And they're not back to their normal way of living yet. And when you encounter a violent storm, even right now, you may still be recovering from that attack of the enemy. And here you are. It's been months and you're wondering, God, there's a setback. There's a setback to what I'm doing here. I was so close. I was so close, Brandy, to touching the promise. And this violent disturbance, this thing just came and hit me and pushed me all the way back, causing damage to relationships, causing damage to situations and here it is now I have a setback is there anyone here that experienced a setback you take one step forward and it's pushing you back you take two steps forward and it's pushing you back and you feel like there's no progress you were in the midst of a storm yes you are you're in the midst of a storm and when it's all said and done the third thing with a storm is that you now experience suffering and we use this as trial or, or, or challenges or circumstance, however you want to define suffering. For Job, it was the loss of his children. Come on, it was the loss of his possessions. Come on, it was a destructive thing that Job finally stripped himself and says, Naked I came, I naked I'll return back what the Lord gives. The Lord take it away. I want to let you know something. That's what Job said. That's not what God said. Come on, somebody, because that's a wind of doctrine. And so the friends thought, Job, you must have been doing something wrong. That was a the theology back there, because if you weren't prospering, you must have something wrong. I'm here to teach you something this morning. They were not equipping Job. Come on somebody. They were coddling Job in his situation and making Job want to compromise and even his wife got in the mix. Come on somebody. Look at your life. Look at the storm that's taking place. And Job finally said he got it from down in the inside. He says, I can't compromise. I don't fully understand why this storm is happening but one thing I do know one thing I do, the Lord bless and the Lord take it away but blessed be the name of the Lord we got to have a conviction that if all your friends leave you, hey, I'm going to miss you. Come on. And if your wife and your husband don't want to go with you, you got to have the foundation of faith to say, I'm still going to trust God. Because like I said, this Jesus is not just some great philosopher like Gandhi. Come on, somebody. This Jesus who we just praised about five minutes ago. Remember I told you, 100% God, 100% man, the one that saves you from your struggle because he's giving you the power. That Jesus who we just worship, let's worship him again just in case you forgot. God who he is. Open up your mouth and give God some praise just in case you forgot who Jesus is. Open up your mouth and though there's a setback, I will not be denied. Though I'm suffering loss, I still got Jesus. Can I get one person in this Holy Ghost place to stand to your feet and give God some praise? Say, devil, I will not be moved. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't care what you call that storm. I have a savior. His name is Jesus. 100% God and 100% man. Woo! Oh, someone came this morning to get a word because I'm feeling like doing a cartwheel and break dance. Come on, somebody. Glory to his name. 
Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Come on. The enemy has been sending storms your way. Come on, somebody. But you have been resisting that devil. Come on. You've been humbling yourself and exalting God. Come on. You got to give God praise. You thought you were by yourself. No, baby. Pastor Roe this morning is telling you you are not by yourself. The Lord told me to tell you that when you go through a storm, you never go through a storm by yourself. You may think you're all alone, but I'm here to tell you, you are not by yourself. You're connected to somebody that's going through a similar storm with you. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And so here it is now that we have to do the deep work. Someone say, do the deep work, Pastor Ro. We have to. We have to because, because I, I, I would, I would neglect my duty if, if I didn't talk to you about some storms that we are going through is the making of our own. Now, some of the resources we've lost is because of our own decisions to compromise and to not have courage to remain seated um, in the word of faith. All right. And we allow fear to come in. So I got to talk to you about this. I can't equip you and just give you the fluffy stuff. I got to give you the tough stuff. And so here it is now that we, we see the storms that are caused by, by disobedience. Ah, there's a word we don't like to hear too often, but as a parent, you gotta get this word in your vocabulary. Come on. The storms caused by disobedience. And so we see in Jonah chapter one, verse one and three, we see the, the characteristic of God. Let me break this down for you because God's heart is so big. We look at the Old Testament, you see some of the acts and some of the things of God. And we say, oh, this God is violent. This God is whatever. You're missing the heartbeat of God. Remember, God would never compromise, but he's full of compassion. And that's how you understand his holiness. Outside of those two dimensions, you can't understand the holiness of God. Outside of sanctification that we're set apart, you'll look at the holiness of God and you think it's a bunch of rules and regulation when in reality it's a relationship with a holy God. And you ought to, you ought to shout about that. A holy God who is so pure, he says, come into my presence. What? You want me to come into your presence? Not that I want you. I made you come into my presence. And so here it is now that God has this, has this, has this love for, for the people of Nineveh. Uh, the people who were just being an absolute thorn to the nation of Israel. It, it's almost today having having a Jewish uh, individual have to go to someone in, in, in Germany who, who was the Holocaust and say, "Go preach the gospel to that soldier who who put your parents in the in the in the gas chamber." Yeah, it, it really happened. And, and so and so here it is now that that God is saying. I have compassion for that soldier. What are you saying about you, God? What are you revealing about you? Do you know the storm that that person brought into my life? And God is saying that my love is so massive that I still want the people of Nineveh to hear the gospel message. And so here now, he raised up a prophet, you and I. He raised us up now. He says, bring a word to a people that need to hear the gospel. And so Jonah now says, I don't want to go. I do not want to go and preach the gospel to them. They're not worthy of it, and I don't want to do it. 
and look at the boldness of this prophet. In Jonah chapter 1, it says that, he says, I'm going to go a different direction. (laughs) See how far disobedience will take us? That the wrath of God is about to come. And that's why we have to pray for America. Let's not curse this nation. Let's pray for this nation. That God's mercy, because God has established you and I as prophets to go to this nation and to declare the goodness of God. Come on, somebody. That God is good. That the message of repentance is still relevant. Say it again. The message of repentance is still relevant. Come on. You can open your mind. You can say that word. It's called repent. (laughs) Not behavior modification. Repent. Turn from your ways. Repent. Consider your ways. Right? That's what we're supposed to be teaching. And that's what this nation needs to know. God said, repent and come to me. And so here is Jonah. He he goes down. He says, I'm going to go a different direction. And watch that. When you read this in in the King James, it says that not only did he went away from the call of God, not only did he went away from what God had for him, he actually went down. And when you live in disobedience, you always go down. Not just geographically, come on, because it was on the slope. You always go down when you walk in disobedience. Yeah, you may think that you're doing it right now, but I'm here to tell you, if you stay long enough in your disobedience, you will go down. You will go down till you get to the place where you're on your knees. You will, you will go down until you understand the only way up is to look, lift up your heads unto the hill from what's coming to your help. And here was Jonah. How many know Jonas? Come on, somebody. You know Jonas. These are the ones that are running from the call of God on their life. God put a call on their life, and they're running. And they are co-workers who, I want you to serve God, but this happened, and he wanted me to do this. And, and Jonas, they're everywhere, even amongst us here this morning. Jonas could be here. And you're going down, but there's something inside of you that you can't leave, but you're not following. You can't leave, but you're not following. You know the presence of God. But for some reason, you can't give into the power of God. This is a good word right here for somebody. And the danger is you'll become religious. And you'll be like the disciple says, can we call down fire from heaven to consume the Samaritans? Because they wouldn't let the word pass through. And here they quote an Old Testament scripture. Talk about wind of doctrine. They quote an Old Testament scripture of what this says. Let's call it on fire out of context. Come on. Because they're religious because the Samaritans wouldn't let them go through. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will allow the power of God, if we don't understand the presence of God, to be corrupted. Oh, that's a good word right there. That's a good word right there. And we can't do that. And so what God was saying to Jonah, Jonah, get my heart. Get, get my heart. My heart is so big, it's so wide, it brings all nations together. My heart is so big, it pulls you in. My heart is so big, doesn't matter what you did last summer. Come on, I know what you did, I was there, come on. But my heart is so big that I want to pull you in. And when I pull you in, regrets got to stay. When I pull you in, the lies have to stay. When I pull you in, the shame has to stay. When I pull, Come on, when God pulls you in, don't bring your shame with you. Your shame stays back there because your shame was not who you are in the first place. Come on, somebody. But as God pulls us in, we keep looking back. We still want to disobey. We want his presence, but we don't want his power. And a healthy church welcomes his presence because that's how we receive the power.
power of God to minister, to break down bondages, to open doors that you're praying for God to open. How many want an open door? Obedience will open. Oh, I hear the Holy Ghost telling me to tell you, listen, saith God, if you want doors to open, you've got to step right in obedience. Come on and trust me, the doors will open unto you. That's for someone in the house this morning. How many of you want doors to open? Lift up your hands and say, God, open doors, open doors. And God said, I'm going to open the door of faith, but you got to preach. When I open the doors for you to preach and share my heart, how big it is. This is a good word. This is a good word. And so here it is. We can no longer be disobedient to the high calling of God on our lives. Listen, everybody on this side, we can no longer be disobedient to what God's calling us to do. I know it's scary. I know a storm could have hit you and it brought you in a setback and you're suffering because of that and you can't trust anybody. But I'm here to tell you, there's a call of God on your life. There's a call of God, not a call from Pastor Rowe, a call of God who created everything. There's a call of God on your life right where you are right now. There's a call of God on your life right now. See and experience the heart of God. I believe that before you leave this place this morning, 1300 Mount Vernon, you're going to be a different person because you finally accepted the presence of God, but you now accepted the power of God. That if he declared it, he has the ability to do it. Somebody to praise God for his presence and praise God for his power. Let's just take a praise break and worship almighty God in this place. I feel like preaching. I feel like preaching this morning. Oh my God, I feel like preaching and running. Come on. An authentic faith is where people come in and they experience the presence of God. And I'm hearing people over there and say, when I walk through these front doors of TGP, they tell me, I experienced the Holy Spirit. I'm like, yes, praise God. Yes, we want to have excellence. And yes, we want to have coffee for you. And yes, we want to be able to give you a meal. And yes, we want to have fellowship. But if the Holy Ghost is not here, this is just a club. But when they tell me they experienced the presence of God, I'm like, "Woo, good God Almighty. That's what I want to hear, that you're experiencing the power of God. Because we want to go by the Holy Ghost agenda. So guess what? We don't want to be predictable. We don't want to be predictable. You say, I won't go next Sunday because this will be the same thing. No, baby. If you miss next Sunday, you're going to miss what God is doing. Here is what God is saying. Behold, I do a new thing every single time the people come together. The only thing that limits God is our expectation. If we expect God to move, he will move. If we expect God to move. But if you're in disobedience, you have no expectations of God. And here was Jonah now. And here was the thing. Jonah knew just enough about God that if they repented, that he would actually redeem them. He knew just enough. He said, I don't want them saved. I I don't want them to come to know Christ. Listen, we can't discriminate. Come on, somebody. Who God is bringing in. We got to know that God has the power to work in their lives. And God will bring the transformation. We can't just do behavior modification. It's not working. Have you noticed? It's not working. What we need is the power and the presence of God to get a hold of the heart of humanity to change them when they will repent and come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So he's saying, Rowan, you can't, you can't, you can't get off this point. He may have me end here because he, what he wants us to do is the, the, the next storm is, is the storm, uh, what I call a dangerous storm. And, and, and oftentimes the disappointment or the disobedience leads to dangerous. The disappointment leads to dangerous. 
And so here he's saying, now watch. Here's why it's important that we're not disobedient. Watch this now. Now in Genesis chapter 3, we see that one man, Adam, in his disobedience, that he gave birth to all sorts of disobedience. He allows sin to come in. Now that would be depressing if that's the only, we stop right there. One man, Adam, came and sin came into the world and we're all sinners in need of a savior. That'd be very depressing, wouldn't it? It'd be very, it'd be discouraging and we'll be depressed walking around in sin like this. But the Bible says that Jesus came and with one man's obedience, come on somebody, all was made righteous. And so what we're telling people is this, is that disobedience will beget disobedience, but obedience, come on, will beget obedience. Hallelujah, you hear what I'm saying? That as a church, if we're obedient to the call of God, other people will leave their disobedience and come into the obedience of God. That's why as a church, to be healthy, we not only have to want his presence and his power, we have to be people who are obedient to his agenda and not ours. And so one church, obedience in Mary, just one church. If one church in Mary will be obedient. Oh, good God Almighty. Ah, I like that. Whoever said that. Come on. If one church in Mary, if just one church right where you are seated right now, TGP, 1300 Melbourne, if just one church or all the churches on 95, if just one of the churches will be obedient to the Holy Ghost and his presence and power, he'll transform Marion. And that's why if he calls you to go someplace, you'll be obedient and you go because your one obedience can step into a city. Come on, somebody. And says, I take authority over this rain, this violent disturbance in the atmosphere. You have to stop now because obedience has stepped in. Oh, God. Because that storm is being disobedient. It's not staying in the order. Oh, can I preach this thing? Can I preach this thing? A storm is something that's out of order. It's chaotic. It's unpredictable. But when we come now in obedience, we say, now listen, storm. Obedience. And I'll prove it to you in Bible if we have time. Probably said just come Wednesday. Amen, somebody. I may just, may just do that. And so here, here was Jonah. And watch this. Not only does disobedience make you go in the wrong direction, it makes you take your resources and give it to something else. Because when he went not to the ship, it didn't say they allowed him to come and he paid his fare. Come on, somebody. The world's going to make you pay your fare if you operate in disobedience. Come on. Don't think the world is going to have any sympathy for you because you're running away from God. No, no. They're going to charge even double. Are oh, you a believer or oh, you a Christian? Double for you. Come on. Huh? So here he went down and took his resources that could have been used for going up. He uses resources to pay and he gets on this boat and he goes now and here these, these, these skilled business people just going about their day. And all of a sudden Jonah comes on the boat and they sail off. Everything looked great. Everything was awesome. These are experienced sailors. So they would never have left if it looked like it was dangerous. But disobedience was in the ship. The cargo was corrupted with this. Oh, God. And as a church, if we're going to get to our destination, we can't be going the wrong direction. 
We've got to go direction that God is telling us. We've got to turn this ship around, baby. And that's what God said. No, my church, we're turning this thing around. And I know it looks like it's a tight, but we're turning this thing around because we're looking unto the hills and we're coming for help. And we're turning this thing around. You see how slow it's going, but we're turning this thing around. Come on, the church is much stronger than what the world wants to say it is. And we're turning this thing around. And we're going to head in the right direction with our resources, with our relationships. Come on, with the righteousness of God. We're going to head to what God has for us because we no longer want to be disobedient. Am I preaching to someone? one today. I know I'm preaching to myself. Jonas! Stop taking your resources to fund your disobedience. We've got to go in the direction that God has for us. Okay. Someone say, ouch. It's over now. Okay. Ouch. You were good. Okay. It was good now. Let's, let's expand and let's, let's leave you with this. So as a church then, because we're going to get to the whole thing of the four different ways you react to a storm. Uh, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to get to that. But, but I, I want to I share this with you. Um, so disobedience will lead to dangerous waters. So the Apostle Paul now has been summoned to go to the, the emperor to see in Rome. He says, let's go. And he's going. And he comes across uh, a ship that they're about to go into. And the season is not right for sailing. It, it's about to be winter. In Acts chapter uh, 27, verses 9, uh, if you want to read through this, 9 to 20, it's a great, great story. And so, and so where disobedience, um, you know, with Jonah, we're going to see dangerous now with the Apostle Paul. And so now it becomes, it's, it's a winter season, right? And so they're about to go, and, and the Apostle Paul says, hey, listen, I don't think we're supposed to sail right now. And the centurion listened to the owner um, of the ship. And he says, no, we can't stay here because winter is approaching. This port has not been designed for winter season. Get this. We have to leave. It made sense. It was logical, but it wasn't revelation. And so when you live in disobedience, you give birth to dangerous decisions. And so here it was now that the Apostle Paul says, I know we need to get to our destination, but I want to be in the will of God so no lives are lost. And so he says, let's not leave, but it's winter. I know you're seeing the season natural, but where I sit, come on somebody. I sit in heavenly places. So I know it looks like winter and this, this, this vessel is not built for winter. God will sustain it in this season. And so some people look and say, what season are you in? And you're telling them this season. They're like, but it's not the right season. It's a season for me. Come on, somebody. It's the right season. I told someone, I said, as a pastor, I never want to miss your season because if I can speak a word of God in the right season, Ooh, you produce such a harvest. You produce such a blessing. All the prosperity. See, prosperity is really connected to being the right season. Genesis chapter 8 says that there's a seed time and harvest. That's just about season. So now if you have investment, you want to make an investment, it's not about being dangerous, it's about taking a step of faith. See, 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 as a church, it's not about taking risk, right? It's about operating in faith. And so what looks like in the world is not a great time to invest in silver and gold or whatever. The Holy Ghost now gives you revelation because it's the season for you. Oh, come on, I'm teaching, I'm teaching how to work the stock market. Come on. 
Because he wants us to prosper, right? Why? Because we said earlier, we're obedient people. So we want the resources. We're not going down. We want to go up. So we want all the resources that God has for us. So it says, fine, if you're going to then do the world system, make sure it's from a heavenly, oh, I'm preaching this thing. Make sure it's from a heavenly perspective so you don't live dangerously in a dangerous financial storm. Ah, come on, somebody. So I don't care if we're going to go into a depression, not the church of God. Come on. We're going to be in Goshen. We're going to be in a place of prosperity. And though it's dark outside, there's a Joseph with a dream. Come on, somebody. There's a Joseph with a dream that's going to get to sit in front of people of authority and they're going to interpret the dream. Why? Because you don't live dangerously. You live in obedience to what God had for you. Come on. Joseph had every right to be mad but when he stayed in a place where God can prosper him, he came and he was summoned to go before Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, here's what God's going to do. The church was the instrument that saved the nation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can we comprehend that? Remember I told you about this Jesus, 100% God, come on, 100% man, this Jesus we just praised about 10 minutes ago. Let's just give him a praise break for revelation, shall we? Come on, let's just give God some praise for revelation. If you want revelation so you don't live in a dangerous storm, open up your mouth and give God praise and give God glory because he is worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of all the praise. Say, I'll live by faith, I won't live dangerously. I'll live by faith and living by faith to live in obedience. And here he said, let's not go. But he, but, but they believed. They believed what the people were saying more than the apostle Paul. And you walk with the people, give them counsel, and they're going to believe their situation. They're going to believe what's around them because they're so accustomed to not living in the right season. We got to get you to be in the right season. When you're in the right season, you're unstoppable. When you're in the right season, come on. I don't care if they say that from June to November is hurricane season or that's when all the ter- uh, storms are coming. You live against that. I go against the current. Come on. I go against the current. And so I'm going to do things based on revelation, not just based on reason. So I know this is the season to be popular and we have young people who are doing things because it's the culture and you can't even keep up with a new fad. You can't even keep with a new social connection system. You think, okay, I'm on Facebook, then they bump to one thing and on Instagram, they bump to another one. I bump to another one. I heard there was another one for dating. There's one for this. There's one for that. Everything now, according to this generation, there's the app for it. But they have no application of the word of God. Come on, somebody. And so what we got to teach them, come on, I'm getting this thing. Get, just give me five more minutes. Watch this now. So where we have disobedient storm and we have a dangerous storm and we're going to, we're going to launch you out with this. What do we do now? How are the four ways, the four ways that we react to a storm? Because I'm going to save Wednesday to deal with the demonic storm, the demonic storm, right? So a demonic storm is here. I'm not disobedient and I'm not living dangerously, but pastoral, I'm in a storm. What in the world is that then? Many of you here, you're not being disobedient. You're obedient to what God's called you to do. And you're not living dangerously. You're seeking God for revelation. But here you are now experiencing a storm. Even as I'm preaching, you're experiencing a storm. What in the world is going on? What's happened is that as you got a revelation from the kingdom of God that you're about to implement into this earth realm, the second heavens where the storm originated, come on, is trying to stop you from walking by faith. So you're not disobedient, but it wants to tell you that what you're doing is foolish, so you will be disobedient. 
And it's not dangerous because you got a revelation from God, but he wants to tell you it's dangerous. And even let friends around you say you're an idiot or you're a fool or you're not hearing from God because it's dangerous. And here you are right in the middle. And the storm is coming. You thought in the middle there'll be peace because you're looking at the cross in the middle. But right in the middle, there is this, this, there is this, there, I got to grow up. Because I can't listen to what was and I can't listen to what people think. I've got to be right in the middle. I said, God, here I am. I made a major decision. I said, God, this ministry needs me more time. Answering the call of God on my life. Right? Answering the call of God on my life. And I'm like, God. And the moment, the moment I made that decision, oh, hell broke loose in my life. I wasn't being disobedient and I wasn't being dangerous. I sought counsel before I made my decision. The moment I hit the email, the moment I said, here it is, I'm obeying God. Boom, a storm hit. Poof. Or hear what I'm saying? I wasn't disobedient and I wasn't trying to be dangerous. I was right in the middle. And all of a sudden, a demonic storm just came. Boom. And says, who do you think you are? Walking in the purpose of God for your life. What he wanted was this. To shake me. To set me back. And to think you're going to suffer for your decision. And we are afraid to make decisions because we're afraid it's a setback because we did it before and it didn't work. What do you mean it didn't work? It's how you looked at it. Why you thought it didn't work. And now we're going to show you the four things of how to look at it. So I'm going to go more into that, you know, when, 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 uh, on Wednesday. I'm going to talk about why we exist as a ministry. But here's what I want, I want to launch out with this. I want to launch out with this. Right? Come on. Seven in a stretch. Come on. Give, give me that stretch. Just stretch your hand like this. Come on. Make it a worship. Seven in a stretch. You're playing baseball, right? Come on. You're watching it. Whether it's the Cleveland Indians you like or the Toronto Blue Jays. Woohoo. Come on, somebody. Right? Stretch, stretch. Seven in a stretch. Okay. Yep. We're getting the field. We're doing our thing. Okay. This is it. We're about to hit a home run now. Come on. The bases are loaded now and you're up to bat. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for that illustration right there. The bases are loaded and you're up to bat and you got to stretch now, right? Because that fastball is trying to come from that enemy. Come on, somebody. And you got to get in the pit. You got to get in the mind. Says, I'm going to hit this thing home because there's folks, you don't want to leave them stranded on the bases. Come on, somebody. There are people out there saying, God, is this thing real? I'm on first base and some people are on second base. Come on. Come on. Where is the designated hitter? And Jesus is stepping up now. The bases are loaded, baby. I got to bring you home. Here comes Jesus now out of the dugout. Come on, somebody. And the enemy's like, Woo, who is that? Says, come on, give me your best one. So the four things we got to do, and I'll leave you with this, because i got to get Lizzie up here to illustrate this point for me. Right? Four things we do when we react to a storm. Four things. And we're going to close your Bibles. Here it is. Here it is. We're going we're gonna to expand on this on Wednesday, but this is a good place to launch you out. Ready for this? Four reactions to a storm. Here's the four things. So um, there's an individual. He wrote a book, and he says, hey, over in the Colorado uh, Plains, it's a one place where you have cows and you have a cow and you have a buffalo. And he says, when a storm approaches, he says, they both react differently to the storm, right? He says, the cow, when a storm comes, it runs with the storm and experiences the storm for a very long time. It's running with the storm, okay? And experience the pain, the suffering, the loss for a very long time. He says, but the buffalo thinks differently. Come on, somebody. So this is the animal kingdom now, how they respond to a storm. But a buffalo now, when a storm comes on the horizon, it runs actually and meets that storm. And it experiences the storm quicker but it doesn't last as long because it goes right through it. And that's why we have to have the mindset, right? That the storm is coming, but I'm going to go right through it. Okay, so that's the buffalo. That's how the buffalo, but we're not buffaloes, right? We're humans, okay? But here we are getting, getting understanding. Okay, the second thing, how people react to the storms, was that the sailors where jo- Jonah was on start throwing their stuff out, and they were seeking their foreign gods. 
And when a storm comes to our nation, right, and when we say, hey, let's pray to God, we know what God they're praying to. And so we have to be careful, right, because when a storm hits, here they were now, and they start taking their belongings, their possession, and uh, the possessions. And here's what I'm here to tell you, that the things they were throwing overboard were the things that were movable. <laughs> but see, when you have something that's anchored in, you can't throw it over. It's anchored in. And so no matter what the storms are coming, we won't throw our belongings. We won't throw our Bibles over. Come on. We won't throw our faith over. We won't throw the cross over. I know they're trying to cut it down, but they can't cut me down. Come on, somebody. Because I'm going to stand firm in the word of God. And so people react to a storm by throwing things or boarding things up and getting everything ready for the storm that's about to come and hit them, right? That's the second way that people deal with the storm. The third way is through they go to bed. Come, Lizzie. They go to bed. They go to bed. And this is, this is, this is my final point right here. They, they, they go to bed. And so I said, uh, whenever there was a storm that would come in our home and Danny would run into the room and say, Hey, Lizzie, you know, the storm, Lizzie be just out sleeping, just, just knocked out. Just, I don't care what kind of storm could be sandy. You know what I mean? She's like, I'm sleeping, right? And so she would go to sleep. And then Danny came one time and says, Lizzie, and here's what Lizzie's comment was, and which is really neat. And I think this is so prophetic, right? We're going to end with this. She said, when the storm comes, Take your good ear and put it with the pillow. So Jesus now is on the boat and he's tired. A storm comes, he goes to sleep. But Jesus doesn't put his good ear on the pillow. Come on, somebody. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what we have to do when a storm comes is not drown the storm out. We have to turn and put our good ear up to hear the revelation of God, how we can weather the storm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many of us, because we're afraid, we're taking our good ear and we're putting it on the pillow and we can't hear from God. Our ear is the devil and our ear is the storm. But God is saying, turn over. It's called repent. Come on, turn over and get your good ear up so you can get a revelation from me. So you can with, you can withstand the storm. Right now, right now, see in the spirit realm. You are turning over. You are turning over. You're moving from fear to faith. Come on, I'm turning over. I'm turning over. I'm not rolling over. I'm turning over. Come on, get it. I'm turning over. And my good ear that was being closed to the things of God is now being open to hear the voice of my father, to hear the voice of daddy. And daddy is telling me, I'm giving you revelation. I'm giving you insight. And the final one is this every head bowed, every eyes closed. In Matthew chapter number seven, he says, Thanks, Liz, you can stay right there. You're so pretty. Watch this now. In Matthew chapter seven, turn your Bible stay. We're going to be done with this. Thank you so much for giving me the time. We're going to be finished with this. Come on, come on. Was, was this a good word? Oh, yeah, that was a good word. It's a good word. I preached last Sunday. I mean, yeah, I did. That was your Sunday. I preached. And I was struggling. Enemy was beating me up. Saying, I don't know if you communicate, I don't know if you connected with the people. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? As a pastor, we so desire to make sure we're connecting with you. Because I don't want to waste the hour, the two hour that you spend here. I don't want to waste it at all. I want you to be equipped for the battle that's out there. Because we can do this anywhere. There's many things you could be doing right now, but you're here. And so I'm there struggling and we went up to Cleveland and I'm just, I'm struggling. I couldn't eat. I'm struggling. Megan's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think I connected. And how many know that when you go through a storm like that, that God is there, you're not alone. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm at the call and I'm like, God, why do I even go to this thing? Like, why do I even drive to come up here to the call? And I'm tired. We had the, we had the prayer meeting. Um, and I'm exhausted. But I made a decision, and this was the week of that decision I made to spend more time with 
these beautiful individuals, you who come here every Sunday and Wednesday. God, thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being part of what God is doing here. I sincerely mean that. And um, so I'm up there, and I, I get there, and God's like, now look around. I'm like, yeah, he goes, I'm showing you how big I am. I'm showing you the tribe, that there are people with other expressions of worship that are seeking my face. When I'm like, ooh, God, look at that. And I'm looking around and everything. And all of a sudden, I, I, get, a, I get a call from, from Ryan, and I didn't get a call, and I get his voicemail. Remember, I'm struggling now. God, did I connect? Did I connect with the people? And normally I wouldn't answer because I'm like, ah, you know. But I said, let me, let me check this voicemail out. And he sends a voicemail and says, hey, I want to let you know. Um, the Lord woke me up in the morning. This is before I even preached because God woke me up in the morning. I was sleeping and he woke me up and I went to pray. I'm like, ooh, this is good. And he said, I just got the scripture and I read this chapter. And I don't know if this means anything, but this particular chapter. And he said, uh, this particular book. And he says, I didn't want to tell you. I wanted God to confirm what, what happened was from God. And I go to search that scripture, and God confirmed the exact word I gave. And God is saying, Ro, I got you. I got you. Come on, tell yourself, God's got you. And if we are obedient and we listen to the revelation of God, he will tell us things, not just for yourself, but for other people, because they're going through a storm. And that's why you got to be awake sometimes to intercede so you can get a revelation to encourage somebody. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm telling you is that God is doing a tremendous work in your life and in my life and in the lives of everyone here. So in, 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 in uh, Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to end with this. In Matthew chapter 7. Remember I said, Lizzie, Lizzie was saying, according to Lizzie, put your good ear to the pillow and your bad ear up so you don't hear the storm. And what we're doing, we're going to do a turn. We're, we're, we're turning over, right? We're not rolling over. We're going to turn over because here's why. Here's why. In, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, Remember, if you're bad, if your good ear is to the pillow, you won't hear what God is saying. So you have to turn over now. Because all the time what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were teaching, they were, their ears were deaf to things of God. And so, or they were closed. He says, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it did what? It did what? It fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the same storm, come on somebody, the same exact storm, the same storm came, but the person who built on the foundation of hearing the revelation of God, when the storms came, they were able to stand, not compromise, come on, not take their resources for the devil, but use their resources for the kingdom of God. How many people here this morning, you're wise? How many here this morning, you're wise? Every Holy Ghost hand should be going up in this place. Because for the last 45, 50 minutes, you've been hearing the word of God. And when the storms come, it's not going to cause you to be destroyed. That you will weather the storm in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eyes closed as I launch you out. The day... That you knew you were going to weather the storm was the day you came to an altar. When regret and all of those things that were trying to discourage you from making that decision to serve Jesus Christ. 
the reality, hear me now, church, the reality was the day you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you destroyed, come on, you, you, you were able to withstand, survive the storm of sin. Because Jesus went to the cross and he took all of that sin, nailed it to the cross. Come on, somebody. If you, come on, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord God, the day I heard you call my name. And you pulled me from sin. There was an altar. It was at my bed where I heard the storm of the enemy's lies. But I came and I accepted you as Lord and Savior. Wherever you were, that day you no longer became disobedient. You became obedient. You were no longer dangerous living. You were now living for the delight of all God Almighty. If that's you in this place, I want you now to open up your mouth and to give God praise and thank him. That though the storms of life are raging and though the storms are coming at you, You are not compromised. You will not quit. You will not give up. God, I belong to you. And on the foundation of the rock, I stand on Christ. The solid rock, I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Today, you are no longer a child being tossed to and fro with the wind of doctrine of regret. It said here at the end, it says, wow, what authority and power you preached in. And not like the scribes, not like the system, not like religion. You preached a relationship with the Father, and you convinced me that you knew the Father. And right now, I want to pray for you. If you're here, and you're saying, Pastor Rowan, I, 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 don't, I don't want to be someone who's foolish that when the storms come, my foundation is not upon the rock. I want my fathers to be upon the rock, and I want to hear revelation from God. If that's you and you want to get more revelation from God, we're going to talk about that on Wednesday, but I want you right now, lift that hand. If you say, God, I want more revelation, the answer is come to the altar, the place where you came at the first time, and you got a revelation about your sin, and you got a revelation about the Savior, and now the Savior took away your sin. That same Savior took away your sin now wants to give you revelation about sanctification, how to stand without compromising, how to stand with conviction, how to stand on the foundation of the Lord. God Almighty. If that's you here, come on, lift your hands in this place as we sing, as this song is being sung. Come on, come to the altar. And where you're coming to again, it's to a place of where I'm going to come and be seated and my ears open to the revelation of God. Father, give revelation to your church. 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 Come on, lift that hands up. All over this sanctuary and those who are watching my Facebook live, the Father wants to give you revelation of how much He loves you. He wants to give you revelation of how good He wants to be to you. And the first thing you need to do is to accept that the storm of sin that has raged your life, that the Savior has come to speak peace to your life. Receive the peace of God knowing that He has saved your soul. Those who are here this morning, Open up your mouth and thank God for Maybe being your savior. Your Worship him. Ah, I just sent his presence. Yes. There's no reason for waiting.